to this week's edition of Reading Beijing, where we talk about the political and strategic implications of China's role in the Middle East and the wider world. I'm Bill Figueroa, your very own Bill in the China Shop, and today I'll be talking about some surprising comments by Iranian officials on the reality of Chinese investment in Iran, as well as China's own portrayal of Sino-Iranian relations. Once again, it's just me this week. Uh, we should have another guest coming in soon, just trying to confirm everything. Uh, so once again, at the end, I'll give you some of my reactions and my thoughts on these issues, uh, as well as my hot take on the past, present, and future of Sino-Iranian relations. So without further ado or any more pointless rambling, let's get started. In an unusually frank admission about the difficulties Iran faces attracting foreign investment, Hamid Hosseini, head of the Oil, Gas, and Petrochemical Exporters Union in Iran, said that Russian and Chinese state companies are largely avoiding the company due to the sanctions. Hosseini was responding to a question about the withdrawal of China from the Yad of Iran oil fields, a flagship Iran-China cooperation project that has been the subject of tortured negotiations over the past decade. Unofficial reports of the Chinese withdrawal have been emerging since last March, uh, but Hosseini provided direct confirmation that China had not only withdrawn, but had not been very active in other projects as well. Uh, quoting him here, Yes, China has completely withdrawn from the oil field, and it's been a long time since China was active in either Yadavaran or Azadigan, uh, which is another flagship uh, Iran-China oil cooperation project. Uh, and this is not a new issue, he added. According to Hosseini, while private firms have provided some investment, China's state-owned enterprises are almost completely uninterested. Uh, quoting again here, For a long time, large state-owned Chinese companies that have a history of working outside of the country have not cooperated with Iran due to the sanctions. In other words, our cooperation with Chinese companies is mainly limited to small companies and refineries, as well as private sector Chinese companies. He later remarked that the situation does not look much different when it comes to Russia either. Hosseini's admission, in addition to being unusually frank, as I said, I think is very important. Iran-China cooperation remains driven by private interests, not government action. China has been consistent and clear that the sanctions are the main barrier to further investment. There's a kind of popular notion that China does not want the sanctions to end because it makes Iran a captive market and results in cheap oil imports, but this really doesn't seem to be the case. Oil imports are driven largely by these smaller private teapot refineries that are looking to get a leg up on their competitors, many of which are uh, former state-owned enterprises that have been privatized due to uh, their uh, lack of uh, profit in previous years. Some of them have been intended to switch to Russian oil when the price has been cheaper, so there's very little sort of geostrategic analysis going on there. It's mainly just prices. But the real opportunity, I think, for China and Iran is not as a captive oil market, but as a potentially untapped market, period. China is in no rush and seems confident that given its diplomatic and reputational standing, it will be able to outcompete the West when it comes to opening of markets in Iran, but it's not willing to invest heavily there until the threat of U.S. sanctions is removed. Now, whether it is going to win that uh, uh, competition with uh, European and U.S. companies is an open question. There's definitely a preference for 
European goods on the part of most Iranian uh, consumers. In fact, sometimes they complain bitterly about uh, the quality of Chinese goods, uh, but China at least seems to be pursuing this strategy. So what about the view from China? Somewhat unsurprisingly, if you read the Chinese press, it tends to play up the value of China's goodwill and diplomatic acumen in the Iran-China relationship, as opposed to any immediate economic payoff. Uh, last month, for example, an article uh, that was titled Iran Speeds Up Building a Global Circle of Friends was published in Huanchou uh, Zhazhi, uh, which is a global magazine, by Jin, La uh, Jin Liangxiang an associate researcher at the Shanghai Institute of International Studies, as well as Zhongling, a postgraduate student at the same prestigious institution. The elite background of these authors, coupled with the fact that the article was republished through state media uh, through Xinhua five days later, gives it a semi-official stamp of approval. It may not represent official government policy, but it does provide a kind of government-approved narrative of Sino-Iranian relations in the last few years, and it's worth examining in a little bit of detail. The article begins with a positive assessment of Iran's recent diplomatic activities and relates them to what it calls the, quote, anti-American character of the Iranian government. Quoting again, on the one hand, anti-Americanism is one of the main characteristics of the Islamic regime in Iran. On the other hand, Iran's anti-Americanism is also driven by its domestic U.S. politics, in other words, the article goes on to explain, Iran's anti-American politics is not just driven by the memory of U.S. support for the Shah, but by the United States' ongoing policy of, quote, suppression against Iran, including political and diplomatic isolation, economic sanctions, and military threats, end quote. Since there's no expected change in this policy, uh, the article continues that, quote, how to break this diplomatic isolation has been an important mission for Iran's diplomacy. Interestingly, the article indirectly references the issues that Hosseini directly called out in his interview, uh, namely the stagnation of Sino-Iranian economic relations, despite these repeated calls uh, from both governments in public to improve them. According to the two authors, one of Iran's responses to the isolation uh, that has been imposed upon it by the United States has been the development of the Negah Peshar, uh, the Look East strategy, but it would seem that they're not looking hard enough, at least according to China. Quote, although as early as the first decade of the new century, the Look East strategy was already being discussed in Iran, some of its domestic political elites were still full of illusions about the West. Iran has not maintained sufficient strategic focus in, quote, looking East. In other words, the lack of investment is not the fault of China, but it's the fault of Iran. Beijing had better hope that Iran has not recruited too many Chinese speakers into the foreign ministry unless they come across this article. Iran's efforts to engage with its neighbors, particularly Saudi Arabia, is also read in this light. Uh, its own efforts to mend fences with Saudi Arabia, which came to fruition in March, quote, under the mediation of China, uh, according to this article, uh, which is true, um, led to a further easing of tensions with Egypt, Bahrain, and the UAE, uh, as well as other nearby countries. This is seen not only as a victory because it allows Iran to refocus on its domestic agenda, but also because, quote, it has enabled Iran to break through the diplomatic containment of the United States. Saudi Arabia and other Gulf countries have long been the main allies of the United States in the Middle East and can be called the first front of the United States to contain Iran. 
So in other words, by relying on China instead of the United States, not only were Iran's diplomatic objectives achieved, but it was able to defy the hostile intentions of the United States as well. In addition to focusing on the America factor in Iran's uh, Sino-Iranian relations recently, there have also been a slew of articles criticizing U.S. moves in the Middle East over the past week. Now, this is nothing new, uh, but they, they tend to ramp up uh, at times when China is more directly and, and uh, actively engaging in the region. Uh, this suggests China is uh, sort of leaning into its diplomatic successes, especially with U.S. allies, uh, as the temperature of Sino-U.S. relations continues to rise. One article called out both Iran and the U.S. for, quote, ramping up tensions in the Strait of Hormuz. But it also focused on the United States as the instigator of this escalating situation. Another article on these rising tensions across oil shipping lanes highlighted how the U.S., causes instability no matter what it does in the region, and finds itself in an increasingly volatile situation that it can't control, arguing that, quote, retreat is worrying, but advancing is also worrying. The author of this article uh, argues that small changes cannot fundamentally alter this situation, and that, quote, perhaps the decline of the U.S. military in the Middle East will become a normal state in the future. Additional articles criticize the U.S. for its intentions to send Iranian weapons seized in the Middle East to Ukraine, as well as for allegedly stealing food supplies uh, being sent to the Assad government in Syria. Um, the latter article really did not mince words. It said that the United States was, quote, too lazy to steal oil directly. They will also steal food. In a rules-based international order imposed by Washington, the rule of law is nothing more than a tool for the strong to oppress the weak. So you see the sort of uh, approach that the state is taking uh, to depicting uh, uh, United States uh, activities in the region uh, at this time. At the same time, it's focusing on U.S. failures. It also continues to tout its recent successes, especially in the realm of air power. Building on its history of joint naval-military exercises, China's Ministry of National Defense announced on the July 31st that the China-Arab Falcon Shields 2023 Air Force Joint Training will be held in Xinjiang in August. This is the first joint training uh, Air Force exercise between China and Afghanistan that's ever been held. Uh, the article also said that earlier this year, China had signed a contract to export its self-developed L-15 uh, trainer jet to the UAE. UAE's Ministry of Defense said at the time that it planned to procure 12 L-15 trainer aircraft with a potential future purchase of 36 more of the same type. Uh, and so in terms of diplomatic successes, China also has recently announced that it will send a delegate to Saudi Arabia's upcoming International Peace Conference on Ukraine, uh, which I think is a really important sign of the growing multipolar nature uh, of international relations. Whether the uh, conference is successful or not, it's very significant um, that these sorts of things are being held in places outside of the United Nations and the traditional sort of Western diplomatic uh, uh, international organizations and institutions. Finally, China uh, touted its support for a number of popular issues in the Middle East this week, uh, including the establishment of a nuclear weapons free zone in the region, uh, and the ex its expression of concern over Israel's treatment of the Palestinians. Uh, again, this is nothing new, but all of these uh, 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 announcements are sort of happening at the same time right now. Uh, the message is pretty clear. The United States has caused nothing but trouble, and China is a better alternative in the region. So, looking at the bigger picture, 
The admission itself was surprising to me, uh, but the content of the admission was not. Uh, we've known for a long time that the feature of Sinopec in Iran and those major flagship projects uh, at Azad Iran and uh, Yad Iran have been in doubt for a while. Uh, it was all but confirmed a few months ago. So again, you know, I'm not really surprised about that. But it does raise the question of why bring this up publicly. Uh, I think it's a reflection of the sort of unpopularity of the Look East policy in some quarters and among some officials, uh, especially those who work directly on issues that are linked to China uh, and are aware of all the problems that remain unresolved. Cooperation with China continues to be a pretty controversial proposition, not only because of the popular concerns over flooding markets with cheap Chinese goods or the creeping influence of Chinese-style internet censorship, but simply because the partnership has not yielded the results that it's been promised, uh, even for those who are mostly unconcerned with the quality of Chinese products uh, or with censorship, that is to say, those things that affect the average Iranian. Uh, China's reading of its relationship with Iran is uh, definitely interesting, to say the least. Uh, there's no question that Iran has absolutely been looking as far e to the east as it can, uh, regardless of what China wants to say. Uh, they would love nothing more than to conclude as many contracts as possible with China's state-owned enterprises, uh, but it's China, not Iran, that has been the reluctant partner here. Uh, given how vocal Raisi has been about the stagnation of Sino-Iranian ties, uh, he mentioned it publicly during his visit to Beijing uh, earlier this year, it may just be the case that they feel the need to respond with some kind of re uh, reason. But it's kind of a joke, to be honest. Like I said, Iran is practically begging for investment. Uh, but China has limited its support to mainly the surreptitious purchase of oil, some modest economic activity, mostly driven by the private sector. And in terms of the government, it's really been limited to diplomatic and symbolic gestures. Um, you know, I, I really don't mean to downplay the significance of the Iran-China relationship. It's a very important relationship. It's just one that's been substantially over, overblown and overplayed both in Iran and in the West uh, and in China as well, obviously. Uh, in terms of the rhetoric coming out of China, um, again, I'm not surprised by any of this. Historically, China has leaned into its relationship with Iran when relations with the United States are strained. Uh, I've mentioned this previously. Uh, more than that, China clearly perceives the U.S. to be, at the very least, under some pressure in the Middle East with regards to its uh, hegemonic position and is very aware that both its traditional staunch allies like Saudi Arabia and its mortal enemies, at least uh, uh, in terms of what you might want to call official enemies, like Iran, are looking to diversify their diplomatic and their economic portfolios. Uh, so I think you'll continue to hear and see this kind of rhetoric, especially as the US uh, attempts to manage uh, its shifting priorities in the global scene. It really doesn't help, of course, that China's argument has a certain amount of appeal to people in a region that does not tend to look fondly on the times it has been on the receiving end of U.S. benevolence. Uh, Iraq and Afghanistan obviously come to mind very quickly. Uh, but it's also not a simple case in which the U.S. can easily extradite itself from its various commitments and alliances. That's why I think some people, the Chinese media included, uh, are predicting the end of American predominance a bit too soon. It may be facing the pressures of a changing world, but it's not gone yet, and it so far has continued to adapt uh, fairly uh, uh, dexterously. Uh, I think China is well aware of this and is much more keen to seize the multipolar moment, so to speak, by providing alternative options and institutions than it is to challenge U.S. hegemony in the Middle East directly. So that concludes today's edition of Reading Beijing, where we talked about the political and strategic implications of China's role in the Middle East and the wider world. Uh, Reading Beijing is a part of the Pursue Media Minutes podcast series, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Pursu Media Minutes offers podcasts of selected Pursu Media analysis on Iran, China, and the MENA region. Pursu Media itself provides media research, open source intelligence, analysis, AI-driven analytics, and strategic communications consultancy. You can find out more about their services that Pursu Media offers by checking out their website, pursumedia.com, or finding them on LinkedIn and Twitter under at Pursu Media. Until next time, my name is Bill Figueroa, your Bill in the China Shop, and this has been Reading Beijing. See you next time. Thank you.